Welcome to the Scholars and Storytellers podcast, a podcast brought to you by the Center for Scholars and Storytellers at UCLA. This is the second episode of our new series, Teens Are Watching, where real teens talk about media-related topics that matter to them. This episode deals with queer representation in media. Our panelists are five U.S. teens, Ellie Langdon, Rainier Basul, Alexis Shim, Ella, and our moderator, Paige Knapp. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy. Hi everyone, I'm Paige Snepp. Uh, I'm 18 and I'm from Los Angeles and I am an intern at the Center for Scholars and Storytellers. Thanks for tuning in to our latest episode of Teens Are Watching. I am so excited to be the moderator for this incredible group of teens. Today we will be exploring the ins and outs of queer representation in the media. Before we get started, let's introduce our teens. First off, we have Ellie. Hi, I'm Ellie. I am 16 years old. I am from uh, Northern California and I am a rising junior in high school. And uh, I'm really excited to be here because I really love doing theater. And I believe that the entertainment industry has a lot of power in how we as a society like view different groups of people. Thanks, Ellie. Let's go with Rainier. H- Hello, I'm Rainier. I'm uh, 14 years old. I'm from Berkeley, California, and I'm going into ninth grade. I am here because it seemed interesting. All right, thanks, Renier. Um, Let's go to Ella. Hi, I'm Ella, I'm 15, I'm from Illinois, and I'm currently going to be a sophomore in high school. I really love Little Women and Greta Gerwig films, but they really influenced me in a way that a lot a lot of media has and i think that's important to examine great and let's finish with alexis hi um i'm alexis i am 16 and i'm from the san francisco bay area i am currently a rising junior in high school and i'm really excited to be here because i was really influenced by a lot of media especially like harry potter and stuff as a young child and really do care about representation and how it affects our society. All right. Nice to meet you all. Um, Let's just jump right in and let's go to our first question. So our first question is, do you feel that there are any unhelpful patterns that TV shows and movies fall into when they portray queer youth? Why don't we go with Ella? I think that there are a couple stereotypes that are really damaging to the queer community. The one on top of my head is like the best gay friend, the gay best friend. (laughs) Yeah, because it's just so tokenizing and it makes like gay people, especially gay men out to be just like a companion for the main straight character and like a more like a toy or an object used to enhance the main character's um, plot line. So I think that's really awful. And I also do not like the mean lesbian um, stereotype, which just makes lesbians seem to be like awful, evil people. And I think that those are the two main ones that I've experienced a lot in media and I've noticed have been damaging in real life. Another thing that I was going to say, not really damaging, but it's not entirely accurate, which is that like a lot of people, like especially like gay or lesbian people in general, totally throwing themselves into like the stereotype and wearing like all rainbow and like being like feminine and which isn't always true they're just like a normal person 
Um, something that I've noticed is this is less about a specific stereotype that is portrayed often, but I think I've seen more and more as TV shows try and claim that they're, they have representation is they'll have a queer character, but the queer character is like a super small part. It's um, they're a supporting character in the show. And it, it feels like these characters are created to more check a box and claim that there's representation. And I think it's really important for uh, TV shows and movies, if you're going to create a queer character, make sure that you're doing it accurately and not just to check a box. I totally agree with that because like it either feels like they're the gay character, like the gay best friend, their whole personality is just being gay or they're just a random character on the side. Like I remember, I think in the last Star Wars movie or something, there's a scene where two random extra women kiss and Disney was touting that as like so much queer representation. I'm like, that's not representation at all. That's literally like two seconds of film. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that, well, first of all, that last example, I, I'd say that goes with Disney's whole thing. They, they do a lot of queer baiting, which is when they, you know, they, they, they kind of hint that someone is part of the community and they usually give them negative attributes such as, you know, like Scar and, and they're all really bad people or animals, I guess. And, and they just a lot of bad qualities are associated with being gay or queer. Um, so, yeah, that's one thing. And I, I feel like there are a few more unhelpful patterns I've noticed. Just one of them is uh, a lot of the time stories focus on um, like a lot of uh, white uh, queer, uh, you know, representation. And that's actually changing. I read a study that um, as of 2021, because of the pandemic, uh, a lot more uh, queer and people of color representation has increased. But just like in my daily, in my, you know, normal viewing, I don't really see that in, in teen oriented shows. And uh, yeah, and another pattern would be probably, you know, the really strong orientation towards, uh, you know, gay, bisexual, and trans storylines. There's not so much focus on, you know, asexuality or in intersexuality. Is that what that's called? Yeah, uh, being intersex. And there's a lot more to the community that I feel like could be explored a lot further. So any last thoughts before we move on to our next question? Oh, sorry. You can go. <laughs> okay. Uh, I just wanted to make a point on the Star Wars thing because I think it's really interesting that Disney um, queer baited uh, Poe and Finn for like three movies, and both of the actors for Poe and Finn actually pushed to get their characters to be in a relationship, and they publicly stated that they would like it. But instead, Disney just put like two women kissing at the end, which could be easily censored to send to other places. So it just they haven't done a really good job at giving good queer representation, but they like the progressive points that it gives them. Queer coding and how negative traits are often associated with like um, queer appearing villains or whatever. And there's this total stereotype of like the tortured gay or like the gay villain or murderer that I've seen or trans like in Silence of the Lambs, for example, which I think is really problematic because it just totally associates negative stereotypes, as you said. And I think there's that whole issue that Ella brought up about marketing. It is really important to a lot of, especially movie makers, because I feel like TV shows might be more popular locally, but 
for movie makers, they really want to sell overseas and for countries that, you know, aren't really supportive of the queer community, it's not going to sell. Why don't we move on to our next question, which is, do you believe that shows should focus more on the daily struggles of the of queer youth or specific points of crisis, such as coming out? In my experience, I've seen a lot of movies and shows focus on points of crisis, such as coming out. And I think that I do agree that that's really important because coming out is a really big experience. But I think that they should start to focus more on just the daily lives and like struggles of the queer community and one show that i kind of thought about when i heard this question is Shit's creek and there's this character on the show david who um when when the show begins david has already come out to his family and his family already accepts him and so his plot and his character arc he gets to be so much more than just coming out and then i think about a movie like Love, Simon. The whole movie is kind of about Simon having the courage to come out. So I think while that's really important uh, to showcase that because it is an experience that queer youth have to go through, I think sometimes, um, you know, as as a queer person, you wanna see the daily lives of these people because, you know, it's, so, it's about so much more than coming out. Yeah, just going off of that, um... I mean, I I totally agree with you. I think that it it is a lot more than just coming out. And I especially would like to see more storylines involving like older, like post-teens, 20s uh, queer people. So you can see that it's not just these points of crisis. It's like life goes on past that point. And how do you navigate life as a queer person once you've passed that adolescent inflection point where everything is changing for you? Yeah, and also about the like, about it being mostly about like teens and stuff a lot of times people will think that's just like oh they're kind of going through a phase at least that's what I've heard from a lot of people is that like that that's not actually who they are and it's cool to see if they like growing up past that staying as like the same person I think also that at least in my personal experience coming out is kind of a continuous process so like if you come out to your family, you still might have to come out to your workplace or at school. And so I think a lot of the times the media will just treat it as like, oh, one big coming out and then everybody knows. But in real life, like that's just not really what happens. Yeah. And also a lot of times it's hard for people to, especially if you change your pronouns, it's hard for people to remember. So you have to correct them a lot, which is, I guess, also part of the process. and. Yeah, a lot of times people, especially in in shows, they have people come out and then the problem isn't that they're like nervous to come out, it's that their family or their peers don't accept them, which I haven't really seen as a problem. Usually people are fine with like people, with uh, you being like queer, but it's more of a problem that you're just kind of nervous to say it. I think like a huge problem that I see in a lot of media is this trope of the gay relationship and one of them is still in the closet because of homophobic parents, but the their partner is like trying to force them out of the closet. And I think that's just such a damaging 
thing to show queer youth that you have to come out of the closet to be happy because that's not entirely true. I mean, my main, the one that I can think of in my head is the prom movie where the, the whole plot centers around how this main character's girlfriend can't come out because her mom is extremely homophobic, but they frame it as if it's a bad thing. And that's not entirely fair to either character, so. Yeah, I was just gonna say that sometimes it's not safe for people to come out. And sometimes like things don't go well and people get you know cut off from their families and stuff. And I don't think that's portrayed a whole lot. And I think it should be, like seen as okay to be in the closet because of, for your own safety and mental health. I actually, I don't agree with that. A lot of shows do exactly the opposite of what you said, where they actually have it in such a way that uh, the parents, like like one of you was saying, the parents don't accept it and they come out anyway. And then it's, it turns out to not be safe and they had they end up getting like disowned by their parents or something. Yeah, I guess I just haven't seen as much. Um, from the ones I've seen, it all ends up being like kumbaya, but yeah, that's Disney. <laughs> Something that I, um, kind of going back to the question, I think when shows and movies make it all about the coming out, it tends to kind of find these queer characters by their sexuality. And I think um, when you, if you want to have accurate representation, you know, the sexuality or the orientation of these characters is really important and it's part of their identity, but it's not the only part. And I think that's something that kind of, kind of back to the first question, even like uh, TV shows kind of tend to make queer characters um, only personality trait, how they identify. And I think also the question said, TV shows and movies focus on coming out or the daily struggles. And I think not necessarily should they focus on the daily struggles, but also just kind of their lives, um, which after coming out could include feelings of liberation and joy. And I think, you know, that's really important for shows to focus on too, because the struggles are really important, but oftentimes after coming out, and even if someone is not out their like their lives can include so much positive that I feel like could also be represented more. Well, yeah, also like fixing the issue of their only personality trait being that, you know, their sexuality. Uh, they could like show stuff, like you said, other than just the daily struggles. They could show normal parts of their life. So they actually have other like traits that define them. And also, I think that if we want to increase more like ex people to be more accepting of the queer community. I think that's a really important step for show creators to take because when you make queer characters accurate and you make them people and human, that's when more people start to accept them. Yeah, I think in response to that, I just wanted to add that I think that that's important, but at the same time, like I think uh, some show creators might focus on the palatability of sub such characters so that their queerness may be pushed to the side. And even though it's not all that they are, it is It is definitely, I'd say, a, it does define someone's life and their experiences. And I, I feel as though just staying true to representing the people that, you know, that are watching the show as well as, you know, not just 
trying to increase acceptance, but also just making their audience feel seen at the same time is central to the mission of representation. Hi, listeners. We hope that you're enjoying this episode of the Scholars and Storytellers podcast. The Center for Scholars and Storytellers is an organization dedicated to bridging the gap between scholars and storytellers to promote positive youth development. Do you have a team that might want to be featured on Teens Are Watching or submit a topic to cover next? Check our website at scholarsandstorytellers.com slash youth dash engagement. Now back to the conversation. So our next question is, how do stereotypes shown in movies and TV shows affect the way society sees queer people? Well, kind of going to what I was saying in the first question, which is sort of like, it's not really an issue. It's just people say you have um, a queer character. They're like totally thrust into it and being like all like rainbow and they're like super, super stereotypical. My queer friends are completely like you wouldn't know unless they told you like they're just normal people (laughs) yeah I mean I agree I feel as though it's like marketing gay and queer into an aesthetic almost like the exuberance the the fat the fabulousness just the all-around you know that they like to make it easily packageable into something that is you know accepted by general audience but it's in a way that might alienate queer people who don't really fit those boxes and you know if you don't if you're not you know if you don't fit that image of aesthetic perfection if you don't fit that image of a bubbly personality and whatnot I feel like it can be really hard to relate to some of these queer characters even though they might go through some of the same struggles that you do so yeah Rainier, I totally agree that I think that whole stereotype of personalities, like gay personalities, is pretty harmful to the community. Not harmful, but just not as helpful as it could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, interesting tidbit of history, but there was actually a code, I think it's called the Hayes Code, that yeah. specifically basically stated that gay people, like your gay characters either had to like die or like suffer some really tragic fate. And so it's actually intentional that these stereotypes can be harmful. And it's not around anymore, obviously, but it was an intentional like homophobic thing to create these harmful negative stereotypes that affected the way real queer people were perceived in their lives. Yeah, I think it also wasn't just, um, you know, making them suffer. It was branding them as bad in in some way because there was such a strong you know, distrust of queer people. They were really seen as other back in, I think it was early 20th century when that was a thing. So yeah, it's a good thing to bring up. And there is like the barrier gaze trope where all gay characters die at the end. And like even some of my favorite queer media falls into that. And it's really just because of the that time when that was a thing, but also because there was an inherent um dislike of queer people and like showrunners and media writers wanted to make them suffer yeah and i think that goes back into that whole like literally goes back into the whole thing of it's a phase because you know the the characters literally die at the end there's a sense of discontinuity between you know everything that's been built 
on these characters and then they're just cut short. I, I feel like that literally symbolizes the, the idea that being gay is a phase and it's dangerous and there's a risk to living this lifestyle. And some parents might look at that and say like, it, it, I, it is just a phase because my kid's gonna killed at, you know, by somebody who hates them or something, so. Or they just don't think that that's what their kid truly feels like and like how they are. And they don't think that they're gonna stay that way. So they don't bother like getting, like say if you, are like transgender and you change your pronouns. Like they might not feel like that's how you, who you really are. So they don't bother getting used to it. Cause they think, oh, you're just gonna change back. It, it's just like something you're going through. With the issue of like accurate representation, I think a lot of the time cis actors are playing trans people and straight actors are playing gay people, gay characters. And so those stereotypes like that, these people who aren't part of the community have in their head get translated through the characters. And that can also be really damaging. Okay, um, I think something to say about that is, you know, oftentimes people in theater and in movies are cast as a different sexuality than the one that they identify as. Um, I think it's, that's not necessarily true with like cis versus trans actors, but I think, I think the when that gets complicated is when a character is an example of a lot of stereotypes because I think when when that happens and a straight actor is playing a gay actor then it feels kind of tone deaf and so I think although it is normal for straight actors and gay actors and just kind of play different sexualities when that happens I think just being conscious of if any harmful stereotypes are like being demonstrated is something that's really important. Yeah, I, I remember I watched like the Danish girl and that was a trans woman being portrayed by Eddie Redmayne. And it just really, even though it was like beautifully acted and you know, it's trans history, it still just left an extremely bad taste in my mouth because it was like, this guy is not trans and you can do all the research you want, but being trans is like, I, I feel like that is very hard to portray if you are not trans yourself. And yeah, I, I just feel like it, they could have really gotten a trans actor for that. There are so many waiting to be cast who won't be cast anywhere else. And one of the few roles that could have gone to a trans actor went to Eddie Redmayne, a cis guy, so. I think it all goes back to who's in the writer's room, because if you have if you have queer people, if you have trans people writing the writing movies, writing TV shows, they will cast queer people or they'll cast the best people for the job and they'll write non-stereotypical roles. I think the main one for me that I remember is She-Ra and the Princess of Power, which was written by Noelle Stevenson, who is a gender fluid lesbian. and. Uh, they made like a point to cast trans people for trans roles and gay people for gay roles and it just made the show like 10 times better. Yeah that actually goes into the next question which is how should show creators decrease stigma and normalize the queer experience? Like if they just cast like the right people for the right roles it would just make it better. Yeah I mean I think do your research if you are 
a straight or cisgender writer and you want to have a queer character in your story, that's okay. But just understand that you do have biases and that you should, you know, consult with actual queer people and make sure and do your very best to try not to fall into these stereotypes. Yeah, and I think it goes just beyond stereotypes too. Um, I mean, if we're normalizing the queer experience as a whole, I think it's it's not enough just to focus on, you know, the traditionally portrayed communities, as I mentioned earlier, such as gay and bisexual and trans gender. There, there are a lot more communities that can be represented. And I feel like the more that media pushes the envelope and says that we are going to portray these people, they're not, you know, other, they do exist. I feel like then it is much easier to transition acceptance into politics and just other aspects of life that affect these communities. So I, I really feel like increasing writers and actors from communities beyond the ones that are traditionally portrayed would really do great things for the queer community. I think it's important to remember also that queer people are almost always white and in television and in movies and like the in LGBT community does not exist without black trans people and without queer people of color and that is neglected a lot and I think in order to have good representation you have to re represent POC. Definitely. Yeah, and just going off of that, I feel like there are a lot of issues that where race and your sexuality or, you know, gender identification, they intersect. And so I feel like portraying more of these, like, person of color stories, queer person of color stories, like, you can show that intersection more and in how those kind of people deal with issues, because I feel like it's very difficult if you're, you know, Black or Latino and you're queer feel like the issues that you go through are very different from a white queer person. Yeah, I mean, speaking from personal experience, I identify as asexual and I, I think the only time I've ever heard that mentioned like on screen would be in the show Sex Education. And that was like a pretty brief thing. I just never see characters like me on screen, like, you know, Asian queer people. I, I don't, I can't think of a time that I've seen that. Yeah, as an Asian, I think it's especially important that Asian asexuals appear on screen because we're so often hypersexualized, and it. I think it'd be really refreshing to see that specifically portrayed on screen. So, hope that works out. I think I'm an I'm an Indian lesbian, so like there's not Indian representation on screen at all. But then you throw in queer, and it's like it's non-existent. My friend recommended a book to me yesterday that has um, a Desi um, queer protagonist. And I like almost started crying because I've never seen that before. And I've never been able to be fully represented. With that, do we want to move on to the unstructured section where we can discuss anything? Hi, listeners. We hope that you're enjoying this episode of the Scholars and Storytellers podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and review us and share it with your friends. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to view the video version of this episode, you can find it on our YouTube channel. Now, back to the conversation. want to ask you guys just any thoughts at all. We don't have to, you know, switch off. Just say whatever pops into your head. What are your guys' favorite um, shows with good queer representation? 
I don't really watch a lot of stuff with queer representation or just in general. I don't watch a lot of things. One show that I've been watching recently because season two just came out is Love, Victor, which is a spinoff of Love, Simon, but it's a it's a TV show. And something that I really love about the show is um, Victor doesn't start off knowing what his sexuality is. He kind of has to figure it out along the way. And I think that that was, you know, showing being questioning is questioning is very valid and I think it was it was really awesome for me to get to see that and also I think you know when a show has a first season and then a second season something that maybe makes it easier for shows as compared to movies is the first season for Love Victor was about him coming out and then the second season is all about him kind of going through his life and a relationship and so I think that was just something that I really loved seeing because it wasn't just about the coming out. Yeah, about questioning, I, I was actually going to mention that. I think that questioning isn't portrayed on screen that much, and I'd really like to see more. Just like sometimes it seems like characters like really just know they're gay or they're trans. Like, like I used to play with dolls. I used to do this and that, and it's it's very clear to them. But I feel like so much of the time people might go to, you know, being non-binary or gender fluid and then, you know, finding another identity that is they more closely align with. And so I feel like they should they should really keep that in mind, but at the same time, don't I invalidate, you know, non-binary and genderqueer people. But yeah, I really want to see more of that questioning. Well, yeah, the thing about like questioning is that sometimes people will think there's something and come out to like their parents and their friends. And then they like might it might change or they might like not feel right with that and they might have to come out more more than once. Well I mentioned sex education already if we're going back to shows but I liked that because it was really casual about it's like queer representation and then it was just like oh yeah they're lesbians okay or like one of the characters it's not even stated like what exactly they identify as but they've been in relationships with both men and women and it's just not like super in your face but it's also very educational i think sex education is such a great example because it really normalizes it and you know these queer characters they aren't othered at all they're just they're just going about their lives as the queer people that they are and i just think i just think that's like such a great example yeah i really like sex uh, sex education because it, it portrays a lot of queer joy i think someone mentioned earlier but seeing seeing so much of like acceptance and living authentically and even in, even less of like that trauma of, of coming out or being outed and all of that. It just, it made me feel really good at seeing it. And also they were just kind of, they kind of layered on the information and resources about, you know, living as a queer person. They, they hid that as, you know, you know, therapy or advice from the characters, but in reality, they were kind of just giving teens watching some actual advice about how to live as a queer person, which I thought was genius and great. Yeah, and another thing that I think is really cool, which I don't mean, I don't know what it's called, but it's like talking to like real people, not actors, just real people that like the, the show's about. They're basically just interviewing people or like filming people, but like th their actual lives. So it's not like a a, like a, a staged thing it's like they're just talking to people that are actually like queer or gay or whatever kind of like documentary style or something. yeah yeah that's what it's called 
Um, a show that I really, really love is called Black Monday, and it has a super, super diverse cast. Like everyone in that cast is a minority, which is really refreshing to see. And the queer characters on there, like it is set in the eighties, so their stories are are set with somewhat gravity, but like they also just get to be happy and they get to experience relationships the way anyone would. And it's just really refreshing to see that. And especially they're just treated like every other character. Another thing I really like seeing is like queer representation, not just in like, you know, realistic fiction or like slice of life things, but in fantasy and in other genres. I think that's really, it's always, I always just feel really good when I see like, you know, a queer person in a fantasy film or something because you just don't see it that often. Well, yeah, because usually that's not what it's like focused and centered around. But if they tr still try to include it and it like actually include it, not like the Disney example. <laughs> but like when you actually like see it as like a real thing, it's just something that comes to mind. This isn't quite fantasy. I guess you could say it's historical fiction. But in Bridgerton, I remember there is a gay character. And I think seeing examples of the queer community in historical film or television is really awesome because you know I think there's this sense sometimes that the queer community is this new thing but it's actually you know been around for quite a long time and I think just the more that that representation is shown in movies and tv it's kind of showing that it's not a phase it's not something that's new it's you know we've been around for quite a long time um, and I know that in Bridgerton, it's a character who is gay is like a smaller character, but I'm interested to see what they do with that character for the future seasons and if any more of the characters will be part of the queer community. So I have a question for you all. So do you think that, you know, show creators should focus more on, you know, increasing the diversity of their representation so just like including more identities trying to fit their storylines in or they should you know hone in on you know and like one identity or one part of the community and really try to deeply portray their experiences like do these cancel out what do you guys think i don't think they're mutually exclusive i mean i think especially with like movies I think it's easier to focus on one identity just because you have a shorter amount of time and they're just structured differently. While with shows, you can have a bigger cast of ensemble characters. I mean, my inclination is to say we need both. I agree. I think I think um, it might be difficult and it might be seen as like tokenization or kind of like a cash grab to kind of include as many identities as possible. But as I said, it's like, it's necessary and it's a necessary part of just increasing awareness first. I guess that's not the best kind of it, representation, but you know, right now I feel like there's basically nothing. And um, I really wanna see people get, not adventurous, but you know, take a risk in portraying, you know, things that haven't really been portrayed before. I think, um, you know, it is hard for shows and movies to portray all of the different identities, but I think like what Paige was saying earlier, I've pretty much never seen any intersex representation in any kind of media. And I think, you know, maybe focusing, you know, you can't represent all identities probably in one show or one movie, but, you know, focusing maybe on the ones that haven't been represented as much in the past, because I think people need to see 
those and also you know at the same time kind of making sure that you do a deep and accurate and like true portrayal of whatever identity that is yeah. I think a really good example of this kind of idea is two Ryan Murphy shows which is Glee and Pose which both have like Glee obviously has like a variety of queer representation while Pose really focuses in on like specifically gay and trans black people in the 80s and like Glee is bad but not because of their representation it's just a bad show but they did like they were able to make a lot of strides especially in that time while Pose now is making a lot of strides and I think that's really interesting that it both of them made impacts and they showed different things like you know TikTok and stuff has really opened up a lot of like discourse and between like young people about you know queer identities and it can sometimes be a little bit problematic but I think that show creators could look to those platforms as well to see what queer youth are actually doing. I think um, with social media there's the whole topic of celebrities queer baiting and I just think that's like another kind of like with Disney um, celebrities will kind of hint that they might be part of the queer community without actually, you know, say, you know, without. Yeah. Are we yeah. talking about yeah. Billie Eilish right now? <laughs> I have mixed feelings about that because on one hand, it's like you shouldn't force anyone to come out, right? But on the other hand, it's like you are a public figure and you know what you're doing. I think I it was know. just made all the worse that she's dating like this 30, this 30 year old homophobic racist Trump supporter. Like, I feel like I was fine with like the video I saw it I didn't think it was that much queer beginning I thought it was just like her hanging out with friends but then like it's just the weird it's just like the weird irony of her dating like this awful person I think it's just kind of interesting how celebrities and like the entertainment industry will try and profit off of um, the queer community without actually supporting them fully and I think that's definitely something that should change because it's just not it's not good. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like especially with women, um, a lot of the times being seen as like bi or gay is an aesthetic that's kind of not cool. I think also with bi people in general, it's just this idea that they're just super sexual and that's why they're bi. It's kind of invalidating the identity or it's, you know, that bi people will are more likely to cheat, which is just not true so I think there are you know kind of um making sure that the entertainment industry doesn't kind of further those stereotypes I think all queer women are hypersexualized in media especially because I men for some reason find it really attractive when two women kiss each other and so it's like lesbians are super hypersexualized bi people are super hypersexualized and it's really just misogyny yeah, and also I feel like uh, if you're a bi woman, it's really not seen as legitimate. Uh, it's always seen as like you're going to come back to a man eventually. And I feel like out of all identities, uh, being a bi woman is and, and lesbian woman, it's very difficult because people constantly doubt, you know, your attraction to women. I read an article recently about like pointing out moments in shows where like biphobia was really apparent and it's like surprising like there were moments on glee in these like big shows yeah that's something that definitely needs to also kind of the opposite of what Paige was saying 
uh, people that say they're bi, but like aren't really. I have mixed feelings on that one because like yeah, I yeah, mean, me too. I don't want to just I don't want to just like say like they're not, but like I don't know. It's just like completely. There's like, not an aesthetic, but yeah, at the same exactly. time, everyone is valid, and you exactly, are valid exactly. whatever label you put yourself. It's really complicated. Like, but yeah, people that like say say you're a guy and you say you're bi, but you like only date women ever, and like. That is a thing, but like I don't want to just like say that's not like uh, something they can do. But I don't you can know. have a preference if you're bi. That's, that's true. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for joining me today to talk about this really important topic. Uh, this is just the first episode, sorry, second episode in an ongoing series. So uh, yeah, uh, follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook uh, for the Center for Scholars and Storytellers. I am Paige Step. Thank you. That concludes this episode of the Scholars and Storytellers podcast. A very special thanks to our wonderful team panelists, Ellie Langman, Rainier Basul, Alexis Shin, Ella, and our moderator, Paige Stem. If you have a minute, rate and review us. And if you have any friends who you think would like the show, share it with them. If you are interested in learning more about our work, please visit us at scholarsandstorytellers.com and follow our social media accounts by searching Scholars and Storytellers. This podcast was produced by the Center for Scholars and Storytellers, with special thanks to Jim Wools for creating the intro music, the UCLA Film School, the CSS Youth Engagement Team, Nira Liebenthal, Annie Myers, and Jeremy Shane. Goodbye for now, and thank you for listening.